On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Love, Identity, and Purpose will invite you on a journey in discovering your unique identity. Welcome to this is uh, session five of Love, Identity, and Purpose. And we've been talking about the whole point of understanding and receiving the love of the Father. And uh, we've spent the, actually the last couple of sessions really talking about that. I want to encourage you to, to meditate on that because knowing the love of the Father, it, it's so securing in our lives. Uh, I can't over overemphasize how important it is to know the love of the Father. And as we're going to talk about today in the next couple of sessions, the discovering really your identity in Christ. That establishes a foundation in our life that is that is secures us. I've said this over and over again. I'll continue to say it. Uh, this is the thing that once you really know God's love, uh, no matter what the storm of life comes, you know, okay, I know God loves me. Uh, this doesn't feel like love, but I know he loves me. It, with knowing that, you can stand and you can be able to, when these storms come, because they are going to come. That's what Jesus said. It's not an issue whether the storms come. The issue is whether or not we're solidly founded on the Word and on Jesus, and obviously the, what we've been talking about, the love of the Father. Uh, this is so very, very important. Now, this session, session five, we're going to talk about discovering your true identity. So why this is important is because the way you see yourself, the way you think about yourself, the way that you're processing your true identity, it literally is the way that you live. And so we're going to discuss that because if you see yourself um, in a negative way, I said in a, in a poor self-image, a negative self-image, uh, you will live that out in life. And that's why it's so important that really, no matter what kind of family you were raised in, no matter what your background is, you have to see yourself as God sees you. He is the only one that can say, look, this is how I created you. And everything else in life, uh, it shapes us in, in a, you know, how we're raised in our family, how our parents relate to us, how we do various things uh, in our life, what happens to us. All these things, they impact us. And we develop an identity, even though we're not consciously going around and say, well, I'm, I'm this or I'm that. It's just, it, it affects our life and it changes us. It helps us to, uh, hurts us to really the way that God wants us to see ourselves. There's three basic lies that I want to discuss. Number one is the lie of feeling that we're rejected when the Bible clearly says that in Christ, we've been accepted into the beloved. But rejection is the absence of real meaningful love. I don't know of anybody that doesn't really struggle with some level of rejection. Uh, I, we called it before orphan thinking. It's one of those things where we, we just, we don't really feel that acceptance and the love of the Father, which is so important, but it affects our identity, and we begin to see ourselves incorrectly. Now, again, you may say, wait a minute, that's, how, that's really what's been going on. I understand that, but we, we want to start seeing ourselves the way God created us. Another lie that the enemy tries to do is to get us to perform. My identity is based on my performance, and, and again, in Christ, I, I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm not based upon my performance. It's based upon his performance. The other lie that the enemy always tries to get us to believe is that my performance, my past, 
what's happened to me, what I've been involved in, what people did to me, people said to me, all of that has shaped my identity. And I began to believe that lie and those lies. And I began to believe that, well, that's really, that's who I am. Uh, and, and I deserve all this bad stuff that's going on. Now, we've shared Romans 8, 15 through 17 a number of times, and we'll share it again, because this is absolutely paramount for us. It says, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. The three things we've been talking about, love, identity, and purpose, is found in this passage. He's not given us a spirit of bondage and, and fear, but he's given us a spirit of adoption. That, that is where we cry, Daddy. That's where you know the love of the Father. It says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That's, again, it's not just about knowing it intellectually. It's an inner witness of the Spirit it says, I'm a child of God. And that is gives me identity. And then the last thing is that heir of God. I'm, I'm part of the family. I, I'm in the family business. And we'll talk about that in, in uh, the latter sessions. But the point is that we that gives us purpose in life. So my question to you, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as rejected? Do you see yourself as, as someone that struggles with all kinds of issues and problems? Do you feel unloved? Do you feel like you know you're not wanted? Um, do you identify with the, the way the enemy wants you to see yourself? Do you identify with how I perform? Do you identify with you know your failures and successes? Do you identify with what's been done to you or what you've been involved? In? I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. But the bottom line is, is that you need to think about just for a moment. How do you really see yourself? What do you think about? When you're, when you're by yourself, how do you see yourself? Look in a mirror. How do you see yourself? Uh, when, when you're around other people, are you insecure? Uh, do you feel like, well, I'm really a failure? Uh, you see, another thing then we'll talk about here in just a moment, but I mean, wow, people say things over you. They will call you certain things. Your parents may have called you certain names. They feel, well, little Billy will never amount to anything. You know, those kind of things that said, you know, the old, the old wives' tale or whatever it was, that sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. It's a lie. Words hurt. And words, especially from people in authority, people, parents, and, and teachers, and coaches, and, and, and all kinds of people, whatever you refer to, it can really hurt you. So, I'm going to say this again. What you think and say about yourself determines how you live. Now, we have an enemy that is absolutely determined to kill us. Uh, John 10, 10, it captures to me the essence of, of really uh, everything that we deal with. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. So what we have here, we have two entities, literally. The enemy is wanting to kill you, and Jesus is wanting to give you life. And that's the battle that we face. The enemy is trying to get you to believe a lie. And we've shared this verse a number of times, John 8, 31 and 32. So if you if you're, will abide in the word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and truth will make you free. 
The enemy wants you to believe a lie. If you believe that lie, what's going to happen is you're going to stay in bondage. And he wants to kill and steal and destroy from you. He wants to, he wants to destroy your life. And that's how he embeds those lies in us about who we really are. Jesus has come and said, look, there's a new life here, and this new life is in me, and I want you to see yourself the way that I have created you to be. Now, let me just go through a couple of verses here. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, of which he made us accepted in the beloved. You've got to understand the battle, the real battle, is can we believe the Word of God or are we going to believe what we've been living in and our experience of life? Am I, is my identity going to be framed and shaped by my experience of life and all the things that happened to me, or am I, am I going to be able to believe the Word of God and what God has said and done for me. That's the battle that we face. This is in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, the heir of God, through Christ. Isn't that amazing? Now, again, these are these are passages we can continue to I go over and over for another uh, long period of time talking about our true identity in Christ. So here, here's what we have. We have a lie from the enemy, and you may say, but this is what I've experienced. I understand that. But you, what's happened is, is God comes along and says, but you are a different person in me. I created you and I'm going to define who you are. I'm going to declare who you are. And so what we have is a battle to how, are, what are we going to do? We're going to believe the lies or we're going to believe the truth. And the, the battle is, is that I've lived a long time in this, over here in this area, believing a lie, acting on a lie, and, and receiving from other people reinforcement to that lie. Can I believe the truth of God's word? So, I want to I want to kick into this how how do we really identify? First and foremost, you've got to believe that you've been forgiven, completely forgiven, and you've been made righteous. Now I'm going to read a passage of scripture. This is uh, Hebrews chapter ten, and uh, this is powerful. Verse twelve. But this man, talking about Jesus, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, this is what Jesus did at the cross. He sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting until his enemies were made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's us. But the Holy Spirit, who witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their heart, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of sin, there's no longer an offering for sin. Now, the reason I read that, I read that passage, because we've got to understand what Jesus did at the cross. 
is an absolute, complete, and total work. So when we, we were born in sin, and we need to understand we've been forgiven, the basis of discovering our true identity is receiving forgiveness and knowing that we've been completely forgiven. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been involved in, doesn't matter what's going on in your life or what's going on in your life or what somebody did to you, the fact is that we've got to receive forgiveness. Remember at the cross, Jesus there says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So this is Ephesians 1.7. It says, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So what that word means is that the penalty for sin, we have been redeemed. It's been paid for by Christ through the blood. And we have complete forgiveness of sin. Colossians 1.14 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So again, why I'm focusing on this, because the foundation of true identity, the foundation of our true salvation, is understanding that we have been absolutely, totally forgiven. Forgiven, not just forgiven, but we've been forgiven and actually made righteous. We have put on the robe of righteousness because Christ did that for us. Everything is about what he has done for us. So beginning to move out of our old identity into our new new identity as being in him, that identity, the key to that deal is recognizing I've been forgiven. I've not been sort of forgiven. It's not based on my performance. It's not based on, well, you know, maybe I'm not doing what I should be doing right now. No, this is talking about the issue of crossing over from being dead to life. The crossing over is receiving the free gift of salvation, and that free gift is you have been forgiven completely. Wow, that amazing? Now, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Now, let's just stop there for just a second. It doesn't say that you're patched up. It doesn't mean that you're fixed up. It doesn't, it's saying, no, 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 no. You are a new creation. You're entirely new. This is not, so you've got to start thinking, wait a minute, I'm not the old person that I see myself as a failure or whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. Nothing is as good as what Christ has for you. So whatever you have seen yourself, whatever your identity is, whatever you've been living in and seeing yourself, it's just, you need to receive this of what, I'm a new creation. I am a new creation. I'm not an old, fixed up, patched up. You think about an old car. You work on and work on and work on, and it's still uh, it's still pretty much an old car. We're talking about a completely new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, the reality is, is that this is the process. So I don't just immediately overnight just go, whoop, I'm new, and I don't ever struggle with that again. No, it's a process of understanding. How does that come about? Well, it comes about through believing the Word of God, what God says about you. Now, I'm going to read Ephesians, and I want to encourage you to to spend a lot of time in Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now, this position is, you're going to see this over and over again, in Christ, in Him, 
that is that's who we are. Paul uses that terminology throughout all his writings, but he's referring to the new man. We're new creation. And the only way that I, I've got to renew my thinking with the word, and I've got to come in agreement with the word. That's the real issue. The battle that's really going on, can I believe what God said, or I'm going to believe my experience, my life, my history, and what I've really been walking through? So it says we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Again, I, if when we read this, if you're reading this from a performance-oriented position, you'll read that and go, oh my gosh, I got to be holy and blameless. I'm not holy and blameless. I need to be holy and blameless. No, what it says is he chose us in him. And in him, we're holy and blameless. We're not holy and blameless because of what we do. We're holy and blameless because he made us holy and blameless. When Jesus sees us, again, back to the Hebrews passage, that one sacrifice for sin forever, that was Jesus. He sat down at the right hand of the Father, and so it says in Hebrews that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in time of need. How? Because we do good? No, because of him, because of the blood. The only way we can approach holiness is through Jesus. We're not holy because of what we do. We're not blameless because of what we do. We're holy because of what he did. And so we, we read this. That's why it's so important to recognize that, wow, we have got so much of our identity tied up in our performance. And we've got to rethink and recalibrate to make sure that we're, our thinking is, oh, I've got to come in agreement with the word of God. Wow. He chose me in him. He predestined, this is verse 5, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. He predestined. People, I remember when I was younger, people said, oh, you think you're predestined, you know? Because it says that God predestined you. Um, you know, I'm not sure if I am or if I'm not. No, what he's saying is that God predetermined in the very beginning that if you receive the grace that he's offering, you're in. There is no... I hope he receives me. I'm not real sure. I don't know. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe not. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. He's saying he predetermined himself that if you receive that gift, you're in. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a child of God. There's nothing about performance in that. It's all about, all about him choosing you. To the praise, this is verse six, to the praise, the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. That's a, these are all past tense. This is what he did. This is not what he's going to do. This is what he did. So we've been made, he made us accepted in the beloved. We didn't, we didn't make ourselves. He did. He just says, I choose you. And you can either reject that or you receive it. Verse 7 says, in him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. He made us abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both who are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him. In him. It's all about being in him. It's discovering the reality that, well, all this stuff is in him. 
We, we've been given everything. So we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We've been chosen before the foundation of the world. We're holy and blameless before him in love. We've been predestined to adoption. We're now adopted as sons of God. We're accepted in the beloved. We've been redeemed through the blood. We've been forgiven. We've been He's made aware of his mystery of his will. Uh, we're heirs of a promise. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I mean, on and on and on. All of this is who we really are. Now, regardless of how you've seen yourself, this is how God sees you. Because God has the final word. So we've got to come in agreement with that. So there's scriptures throughout the New Testament that Paul especially writes is the position of who we are in him. I would encourage you to start looking for those scriptures and start saying, well, that, that's me. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. I live and reign and move and have my being in Christ. All of that is who I am. So here's the bottom line of this. We don't really change until we see ourselves the way God sees us. We will stay, and I know the word is true, and I'll say that, but until we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, I'll stay in that same old poor identity. So it's time for us to see ourselves the way that God sees us. So I ask you again, how do you see yourself? This is a probing question. You need to be asking yourself that. How do I really see myself? Do I see myself as a beloved son or daughter of God? Do I see myself as accepted and, and blessed with every spiritual blessing that more than a conqueror? Do I still see myself in the residue of the old man? Because that's what God wants to do. He wants to set us free. Now, what I want to do here, I want to point out to you and encourage you to do this. Read Ephesians 1 especially 3 through 14. These are the passage that's so, so very important. But there's a prayer after that. And this prayer begins in verse 17. And I want to draw your attention to this, and then we're going to pray. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, let me just give you some pointers there. The prayer, God puts the prayer in here because he knows that he, he we're supposed to pray this prayer because he knows what we need. He wants to answer it. But if you go back and look through this passage, what you're going to see is that you're going to see that he blessed us. He chose us. It was according to his good pleasure. He made us accepted. Um, you, what you see here is his character being revealed. So the bottom line is, is that what you do, you, you want to get a revelation of who he is and his love. We've talked about love in the last couple of sessions. Go back and look at those scriptures and realize it's all what he did. He did it for you. He did it for me. So the bottom line is, is that what he wants us to know and realize is that the first part of this prayer is that we would get uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. But then look at verse 18. It says that the eyes of your understanding or the eyes of your heart would be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What's that? Well, he's caused you to be a son or daughter of God. So go back and look at it again. So the, the answer to this prayer is in the preceding verses above that. And so I just encourage you to pray that. He goes on to say the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He, we're his inheritance. But we've also received an inheritance. What's that? 
everything that he paid for. Now, to receive an inheritance, someone has to die. Someone did die. Jesus died. So, and then, of course, verse 19 says, with the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. That's the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit who raised you from the dead. That's the Spirit of God that lives within us. So we keep coming back. It's the Spirit that bears witness with us. It's the Holy Spirit. That's why we talked about fully embracing the Holy Spirit because he's the one that's making all this real. So I share that with you, and I encourage you to pray that prayer. Believe that God wants to answer that prayer, but really the answer is in the preceding verses 3 through 14, or at least those verses there for sure. So let me pray for you. Father, we love you and bless you, and we thank you that you chose us and that, Lord, our true identity is not in my performance. It's not in what somebody said over me. It's not in how or what's been done to me or what I've been doing. My new identity is that I'm a child of God, that I am in you. And Lord, I thank you that you have loved me and called me for a time such as this. Now, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would help everyone that's not only watching this or or listening. Help us, Lord, to, to truly believe your word. Help us to believe the truth that'll make us free, that you chose us, that you've blessed us, that we are accepted in the beloved, that we are sons and daughters of God. And I'm asking you, Lord, to help us to have our complete new identity in you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to to literally let go of the past patterns, thought patterns, the way we see ourselves, and help us to see ourselves as you see us, as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we just thank you for our new identity. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.